I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash spoken today. Here's a cool fact. A crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Another cool fact, you can get short-term health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans are designed for people who are between jobs, coming off their parents' plan, or turning a side hustle into a full-time gig. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. Get more cool facts about United Healthcare short-term plans at uh1.com. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wegovy and Zepbound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hello, my name is Gary Mansfield, and this is the Ministry of Arts podcast, where each week I'll be speaking to a different artist. Now let's begin by bagging these bongos. Hello, welcome to episode 156. That music always makes you happy, right? Today, I'm taking you over to Northern Ireland to meet ceramicist Patrick Colquhoun. I first saw Patrick's work about four or five years ago over at the Ben Oakley Gallery in Greenwich. And although his ceramic sculptures were brightly coloured, mostly yellow, some of them had holes in and red hosiery as if they was stitching or staples throughout the pieces, they did have a a sort of air of menace or dark undertones, the story of which I didn't discover until this conversation. And although I chatted to Patrick every now and then on social media, it wasn't until we bumped into each other at the factory project when we was both showing in Gallery Number 32's Between Frames exhibition that I finally asked him to guest on the podcast. And talking of our mutual friend, Mr Ben Oakley, Every couple of years, Ben invites a couple of dozen artists to do a fundraising event with him at the gallery. Ben distributes these small white plaster sculptures that are sort of in shape of a penguin, and the artists transform it into any way they see fit. And then Ben sells these at the gallery and online, with all the profits given to St Christopher's Hospice in South East London. And I've not seen a list of artists that are featured this year, but a few that I have seen who have posted their designs on social media is Ray Richardson, Joe Pill, Patrick Colquhoun and Lee Ainsworth. Now it's just a short exhibition so if you're in the Greenwich area pop by to Ben Oakley Gallery after the 18th of December and see if there's one there that tickles your fancy. And if you can't get to the gallery then just go over to the socials and look for the Ben Oakley Gallery or the bog as we like to call it. And speaking of giving I didn't forget 
thank you to our Patreon supporters, without whom we would not be able to listen to this podcast. And although this content is free for absolutely everyone, if you like what you hear and you think you'd like to contribute, just pop over to the Ministry of Arts Instagram profile. You'll see a link tree drop down box which will direct you straight over to Patreon. And for as little as £3 a month, you can help keep us afloat. But without further ado, please come and join me over Zoom with Mr. Patrick Colquhoun. I was born in 68, grew up during the Troubles. 53 years old now, you know, it's 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 a better place yeah. in some ways. In other ways, it's it's not. But then, I mean, the UK generally is a, isn't a great place at the minute, is it? With <laughs> no, one thing or another, no. so... <laughs> So yeah. So it, it was good to get over for the factory project a couple of weeks ago. Because yeah, you was I, over, you was over for a reason as well, wasn't you? Or, or was it just that you come over for? No, just for that because it was two years at least since I'd been in London, yeah. and I I would have been over very regularly. I would have been over exhibiting uh, quite regularly, and then the lockdown happened and wasn't on a plane for two years. Uh, Still did some shows in London virtually and sort of you know yeah. sending work over, but it was it was just an excuse to to jump on a plane, get over to London, and just take a weekend away. Yeah. Simple as that. Uh, just after coming out of all those lockdowns, you don't need much of an excuse to get away, do you? You know. No, we're back over again. We're we're actually showing. I'm actually showing in Ben Oakley's. Uh, ben Oakley does a Christmas show. That's uh, it. The the thing things. Uh, yeah. So I've I've got some thing things in the kiln at the minute. I make my own. Um, normally, oh, I saw you doing those actually. Uh, these are plaster cast things that a guy, I think a Dutch guy, gives a load of artists. But I I've got the pattern and I make them in ceramic, so they're sort of handmade. They're not cast. Nice. Uh, so there's a couple of new surprises coming for this show, and then we're coming over to. I think the show is the weekend before Christmas. It's. Um, I think it, it tallies with the end of I think Ray Richardson's show in, in, in Ben's gallery. So yeah. Christmas in Greenwich, Christmas market in, in Greenwich the week before Christmas is 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 on the radar now. So well I'm generally in, in the Fing Fing show as well. I haven't picked my ones up yet. Uh, me and Lee, we've um we've both got Fing Things to go and collect from Ben. But yeah. um, it's always a, it's always a good little show because you can stop your own practice and just pretty much have a little mess about or even a trial with with a thing yeah. things can't you you know they're, yeah. they're a good bit of fun no it's a good show to be i've been in it a few times now and i think you know always do something a wee bit different but um there's something a wee bit a wee bit different again this time so it's a nice one to end the year with actually you know it's, yeah. been, a, it's been a busy strange year and it's just a nice way to end the year um well that's where i first saw your work was at ben oakley's gallery Okay. Where yeah. I first saw it in person, anyway. I've done I've done two solo shows in Ben's gallery. Ben Ben's the sort of guy I tend to gravitate towards people who I would go for a pint with. And yeah. you know, <laughs> nice. Ben Ben I don't want to be I, I don't want to put people in boxes here, but he's not your typical gallery owner. You know, he's he's a he's he's a good lad as 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 I would call him. And yeah. when you get into when you get into his backstory about um I don't know. People of a certain age will remember Treasure Hunt and the that's it. The the beach buggy and the uh, 
it used to be filmed over the UK, all over, I think it was the 80s or something like that. Yeah, so people, yeah. people of a certain age will remember that, and it turns out he drove the beach buggy. That's it. Them. Well, I've done one with Annika Rice on here. That was the one, yeah. That's it, yeah. Annika Rice. And you've interviewed Annika Rice? Yeah, she was on here maybe a year or so ago. Brilliant. Yeah, yeah it was a good little, good little turnaround. Uh-huh. Oh, that's fantastic. So when you get to talk to Ben and you get to sort of know his backstory, you know, um, so I've done to two solo shows there. Um, around about 2015, um, I had done a heck of a lot of group shows and it was pointed out to me that I had no solo shows on my CV. So I decided that I would do a solo show, but not only would I do one solo show, I would do three solo shows. So I did a, <laughs> I did a solo show. I... I called it solitary. It was quite, um, it was a good show to do. There was a lot of sort of new innovative work for me. Um, it was based around, you know, a lot of childhood memories and all of that sort of thing. So there was a lot of different materials in it, but I did the first show in Belfast, close to home um, at a gallery in East Belfast. And then I did a, uh, I moved it then three months later to Dublin and I did a, I did the same solo show, but slightly changed around in Dublin. And then the third one was in Ben's gallery in uh, the November of that year. So yeah. he was the London show. And it sort of was like, you know, growing up and moving away from home. Yeah. You know, the, way yeah. The, the way the three shows evolved into, you know, the final solo show in Ben's place in, in the November. Um, so it was good to do. And then I went back to, I went back in 2017. So the first show was 2015. The second show was 2017. And uh, this was a show called What Holds You Together. And at that time, I was making a lot of work that had a very, uh, almost like an aesthetic, like, you know, tablets and medicinal. And yeah. and there was a lot of playing around with the likes of, you know, mechanical fixings, like, you know, threaded rods and wing nuts, etc. And so the show was called What Holds You Together. And the idea behind it was, um, you know, I realized that it was a making process and having having projects on and having something to physically make was the thing that kept my my head in the right place. Um, but it was very much a thing where, you know, you realized that most people needed something, you know, could be religion, could be uh, family, could be friends, could be walking the dog, could be alcohol, could be drugs, could be good or bad, but everyone had something that sort of kept them, you know, uh, going. Um, the, the, the show was great. The, the downside of it was it, it coincided with the night of the, the attacks in Paris. Um, and that was a real sort of eye opener, you know, coming out of the, the, the thrill yeah. and the buzz of the exhibition and then turning, getting back to the hotel and turning on the news and seeing that unfold. It was horrific. Um, and I remember the next day being in East London um, and there was fighter jets flying over, flying over London and, didn't know if I was going to get home. You know, it was a horrific time. So good memories and bad memories of that. Yeah, that, that yeah. So I've kept in touch with Ben and we're still, uh, we, were, we we called with him last last time we were over at the factory. Um, and I think he, he, he actually even threatened to be in the factory show at one point, but uh, didn't get around to it. No, so, that's it. Yeah, a lot of time for him, a lot of time. Well, the work he's showing now, or recently, even since 2015, is very colourful. Yeah. But going back a few years, when I first saw your work, it was a lot darker Yeah. in, in presence and in colour. Yes, it was. It was. The work from 2009 to probably 2014-15, um, 
I, I basically came from, just to give you a bit of history, I came from basically no formal art education at all. I had a career in uh, construction and fit out. I had a, I, I, I did a business degree with marketing. I ended up in the construction industry. Um, I also played a lot of rugby and my, my life was sort of working rugby, very career focused, loved the rugby. Eventually had a, a very, very serious knee injury, which stopped me playing rugby. Uh, and I looked and looked and looked for something that would fill the void that rugby used to give me. Um, and it turned out to be going to night class to take up a basic pottery course. So I went to night class and learned. learned Can I just, just ask, what made you pick pottery? <laughs> a psychologist will have a field day with me because <laughs> when I was young, my father, my father, when he was alive, when I was a boy, he, he was a civil servant as his career, but he made the most beautiful antique reproduction furniture. And when I was a boy, I would go along with him to his workshop. And the thing that I loved at the time was working on the lathe. So I used to work on a lathe at the age of, you know, eight, nine, ten, turning things, yeah. drumsticks, you know, things that were round. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, so um, I always gravitated to this. I wanted to do my own thing. And I, I don't know why, whether it was a conscious thing or not. I, I just loved the rotational thing of the throwing on the wheel. And I taught myself to throw on the wheel. I always likened it to the fact that I used to work in a lathe, but I wanted to do my own thing. I didn't want to work with wood. I didn't want to be what, you know, I didn't want to make what my father used to make. Yeah, yeah. Um, so anyway, getting into the, when I, when I started off, um, I ended up very early on, I decided craft to craft shops wasn't for me. You know, traditional ceramics wasn't for me. And I started sort of working with, you know, hand-built shapes. And, but at the time I was using black clay and, I just loved the, the fact that you could build with it and sculpt with it very, very, very well. Um, but around about the same time, about 2009, um, I was made redundant from a, a very good job. Um, it was the, it was the recession of 2008 and I was working in construction and I worked for a very, very large company as a PR marketing manager and 200 of us were made redundant. So around about that time, I was made redundant first time ever in my career in my life I was just turning 40 um, and then the next year my father passed away unexpectedly so I had these sort of things happening in my life and the the work was sort of an outlet for that so so the black clay and the dark-ish names and the, the sort of the dark feeling around the work was very very deliberate because it was it was um, it was just allowing me an outlet um, and there was a piece of work that I made. I started making um, these heads, which were sort of, you know, truncated at the at the nose. Yeah. You'll, you'll see you'll see those on my website. Um, and they were sort of semi-autobiographical. They were bald men. They were non-communicative. They were uh, quite brooding, quite downward-looking, quite introspective. Um, and I started making these, and I then ended up making a piece. Uh, and it's a very personal piece to me, and it's a piece that's about to come to fruition again because I, I made a piece that was twenty five of these heads, in a in a in a, in a grid, and the twenty five years were uh, representing the twenty five years between my mother passing away in nineteen eighty five and my father passing away oh, in wow. two thousand ten, 
and there was one of the 25 heads was a gold head um, and the piece was called foundling. Uh, so it turns out that it's now at the start of December, um, in the start of December coming, it's 10 years to the day that I put that piece of work into the F.A. McWilliam Gallery. So I'm about to recreate that piece. Um, and you'll see some 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 images online of that. So it's it's co-finding plus 10. <clears throat> but going back to your piece about um, the colorful against the dark, that 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 is a very, very um, very significant thing. Um, up until 2014, um, the work had been dark. Um, I went on a family holiday to to Florida and my kids were at an age that Florida was brilliant. We went to the parks. We went to it was just a it was just the best place. But I noticed driving around um, everywhere you went, there was these little colorful fire hydrants, and the fire hydrants were bright colors. They were blue and green and red and blue, yellow and lovely combinations of colors. And it sort of dawned on me that these were the fire hydrants were actually sort of because they were water dispensers. Water obviously is life saving, life affirming, and life enhancing. Water is a very very you know, positive yeah. thing. And it sort of just dawned on me that, um, you know, the bright color and the, it, it sort of was like a wee bit of a switch turning whereby I then came home and started making some some little bright colored ceramic water hydrants with neon attached. And uh, it sort of was a wee bit of a turning point and the work then started to become, there was a lot of bright color then introduced to the work. Um, and it was a wee bit of a sort of a, a bit of a change in direction in life as well, you know. It was it was a wee bit sort of um, a bit of positive affirmation that you know life wasn't so bad after all. Yes, yeah. Was, yeah. Um, well, you could see that. If I could just interrupt a sec, you could see that sort of appearing in your work because first of all, they were very sort of um, archaeological pieces. They looked like museum pieces that had been dug up that were yeah, sculptural. Yeah, yeah. Uh -huh. So uh, even the way that you displayed some of your work. And then all of a sudden, then little bits of colour started to appear in this black clay, didn't they? You'd have a yeah. like a red stripe or a, a little um, bit of polished gold within within yeah. it somewhere. So yeah. you you was having the the colours popping out. It was all it was. It could be said even that it was um, sort of a little bit of colour coming back into your life after this dark times yeah. you were going through. It definitely was that, but it was also it, there was also for me. Uh, a desire to work with you know unconventional materials it yeah. was like you know it, it was it's a term that i've used many many times and, and the term is anti-ceramics it's it's like you don't expect to see ceramics paired with hosiery no you don't expect to see, expect to see hosiery paired with meccano you don't expect to see ceramics paired with uh, you know, neon or latex or piercings or, or anything like that. So it became a wee bit of, it was a wee bit of sort of this term of anti-ceramics where I was taking it away from being a, you know, a craft type thing into more of a, a contemporary art type thing. And that sort of, that coincided with me sort of gravitating more towards the London art scene as opposed to the local, yeah. you know, Northern Irish art scene. Um, but yeah, it did, it, it, it sort of forced its way through and then it, it sort of became quite prevalent and, and probably... Ben's show, the show I did in Ben's gallery in 2015 really um, was a starting point of that. And then by 2017 with the What Holds You Together show in Ben's gallery, it was really, it was really there, but it was starting to manifest itself into 
the likes of the tablet aesthetic and the you know yeah. the prescription medication aesthetic and and even now where the work is is very you know having gone through the lockdowns and having l luckily have access to my my studio in the garden i've been able to work throughout the lockdowns and the whole idea of you know having a project and making stuff you know the stuff mightn't see the light of day the stuff mightn't get out of the studio but at least it's keeping you actually making stuff and it's it's keeping you occupied and it's keeping your you on the right track so you know the the color definitely helps that um the subject matter is definitely now forming the basis of you know this this whole you know arts as a um a thing that helps you helps you cope helps you survive yeah, yeah. you know i mean the, the, the piece that was in uh the piece was that was in the factory project was um you were in the skip gallery but had made a, a small ceramic skip um that's it and that was i mean that piece summed up where i where i think i was with with things you know the the ceramic skip came around about because i was i was just i was walking the dog and i spotted a lot of builder skips on the walk and I was ha sort of having a think about that and how this could just an interesting shape, an interesting item, not something you'd expect to see in ceramic. No. Um, then the introduction of the tablet to that was just a thing. I thought, right, this there's there's something here, there's something in this, you know, and I yeah, started yeah. playing around in my own head with, you know, is a tablet, does it help you? If, if you're medicated and a lot of this is to do with the ease of the access of prescription medication and the, the ease with which it, it's um, prescribed and given to people. Yeah. Yeah. Um, as an easy answer, which when you go down that rabbit hole, it, it, it actually, it, it actually, in my view, it actually isn't, you know, it, it, it's something that masks the problem and it's something it doesn't work for everyone. And so the idea of the skip, and the prescription tablet together, um, tied together with the hosiery. Um, if I could just give a bit of context for people who hadn't seen it, both yourself and the Ministry of Arts, we were in an exhibition called The Factory Project via a gallery called Gallery Number 32. Mm -hmm. We always given a door to make an art piece of artwork with or, or add a piece of artwork to. Yeah, and yours was a um, ceramic skip, maybe twelve inches wide. A builder skip, yeah. Uh -huh. um, uh, and it had a some red hosiery with a a, a dual coloured tablet hanging, a ceramic tablet hanging off of it, yeah. and that was bolted to uh, at roughly eye level of the door, wasn't it? Mm -hmm. And and sorry. So the the idea was that you know is the is the skip there so you can put all your troubles into it or is the tablet the thing that really isn't oh, yeah, in yeah. the problem and the tablet should be in it and the tablet I'd covered in latex because it was an outdoor uh, thing so it actually ended up the piece was damaged and pretty much destroyed and I was sent a picture of it and I looked at it and I went you know that just that has brought the piece to the natural conclusion. I wasn't yeah. angry about it. You know, obviously, you know, you shouldn't touch art when it's, it ended up that the, the skip was smashed, the piece was destroyed. And I just looked at it and thought that was the natural conclusion for this piece. Yeah. Because, you know, the skip was delicate after all, you know, the yeah. vessel was delicate. The vessel has 
tried, you know, it, the, the tablet is the thing that has destroyed it because it's bounced back and hit the yeah. stick and destroyed it, yeah. you know. And to me, that was the natural conclusion for the piece. So Yeah, brilliant. Because when I went in one day and I saw it underneath the counter, it was possibly my photograph that you'd seen. Did mm. Kieran send it to you? Yeah. Uh -huh. No, he yeah, sent it to me in situ. The thing was still hanging on the door at the time. Oh, so. okay. No, it wasn't the one that I sent him then. Okay. That piece itself reached a, a conclusion. Um, the upshot of it is there's I've, I've now a little collaboration going with one of the other artists in that show. Um, and I've sent her over a spare that I had made. Um, and she's now taking that out on an adventure nice. in London. And I have no idea where it's going to end up, and I have no <laughs> idea how it's going to look. But, and that's that's what I'm looking forward to. Um, yeah. So I'm looking forward to seeing some some images of this from Karen Wood um, over the next you know month or so. But um, she was yeah. talking to me about that actually a, a few weeks ago. Yeah, 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 yep, yep. She's going to take. We, we're calling it "Filled with Hope" too. Um, just to finish the story of the title of that piece, as I was walking the dog and thinking about this piece and thinking that the the skip and the tablet would all work very well together um a salvation army van drove past me um you know one of the the, the charity shop ones yeah, and yeah. on the side of it was written filled with hope and i just oh, thought nice that's, that's yeah perfect. that's perfect so so i called the piece filled with hope and uh because that sort of, you know, people do go down the route of prescription medication and I presume doctors prescribe prescription yeah. medication in the hope of, you know, solving people's problems. Um, and it's not always the case that that works. No. So the, the title was quite, um, a lot of the titles of my pieces of work are dual in terms of, you know, always watching over you or always looking down on you, you know, they're titles you can interpret as either a good thing or a bad thing yeah so the filled with hope title there was a bit of sarcasm almost about it you know a bit of um you know filled with hope what really you know is this yeah. the answer you know uh so, i didn't know that was the narrative behind the work yeah, yeah. It's perfect yeah it um and conversely yours i i i i when i read the piece the the when I read the story behind your work, I, I it blew me away because the, the story behind your your cell your cell fitted into a skip, your prison cell fitted into a skip. I mean that's bonkers, isn't it? It is crazy, yeah. And when I, you know, that's that that I suppose is a that's always been a thing for me. You know, I've always put a narrative beside the work, but then you sort of question whether you should be explaining your work, but. For me, it's always a case of if it does enhance the story, it should be it should be there beside the, yeah. the visual. Um, and the argument is, well, people should be able to make their own minds up about it. But in my view, I think you should be able to tell the story as part of the piece. And because it was only when I read the story of what your your skip, your actual large skip was about, that that was incredible. You know, it was, and it was it was so simple and aesthetically very simple as well yeah. and but the story was so powerful so powerful well i don't normally put context next to my work but i felt that that was when i so... read it online it, it was when i read it online i've oh, got you okay yeah, um... yeah because it's just that the work was so i i'd cut away all of the as much information as i could 
yeah. from the artwork that I wanted to make it as bare bones as possible. Mm. Um, and it, it absolutely needed the context next to it. Mm-hmm. Um, so that the, um, well, because just a mere title, um, which is normally, which I find is normally the bridge between the concept and the finished work. You know, it gives someone a little direction to take. Yeah, none of the titles would have been informative enough. Um, yeah. So I yeah. felt that it needed context, and and also that piece that was a almost a sort of activist piece. You know, I was trying to make people aware of yeah of um, yeah. you know just how little room two humans have to follow. Yeah, yeah. Whereas the, the, a dog gets up, more more space. You know. Yeah, I was just going to say that was the sort of the the. The straw that broke the camel's back for me—the fact that dogs in captivity get more more space than humans. It's bonkers, you know? isn't it? It was, it was quite a it, it was quite a piece. Um, it 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 um it made me think. It made me think. Um, well, that's what I hoped it would do. Was that not so much the piece itself would um sort of strike a chord, which it did, which it did anyway to a lot of people. But what yeah. I was hoping was that the people that did look at it and take note of it when they're walking down the street next week mm. and they see a skip they they won't see actually see a skip they'll see two adults living in that skip you know yeah 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 but i think you know the starting point of that piece itself you know a builder skip i suppose same same rationale that i use in terms of thinking up a piece is that this is a bit you know a skip made of ceramic it shouldn't be. It no. shouldn't be a thing. It's not. A, it's not u- usual. And you know, again, for the concept of the skip gallery, you know, that, that you were in, you know, you're, you're starting from a very unconventional, but very ordinary place. You yeah. know, and uh, it's um, it's a good concept. It's a very good concept. Um, but yeah, that was a piece that has a few more legs in it. Um, once Karen takes it out and does what she's going to do with it. I have no control over that. I don't want control over that. I just it's nice, to, isn't it? I just want to see it used, you know? Um, and that's that's another it's another connection made. It's another opportunity. And you know yourself, this is how this game works. You know, every yeah. everything you do creates another another connection and another opportunity. And well it's it's really go. reassuring to know that another artist has sort of been so influenced in your work in their like when we all look at an artwork, we sort of half envisage that it's ours and what we'd do with it and where we'd take it. And she's yeah. obviously taken that extra step to get in touch with you and say, look, I've had yeah. this idea. Yeah. You know, I'm yeah. a, an urban photographer. How about I do this yeah. with, or we do this with your project and, yeah. and give it a new little piece of life. It reminds me of a piece. There's, 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 yeah. It reminds me of a piece that I, I was involved in a few shows quite a few years ago with um, a couple of group shows and it was a sculptor um, who was quite a bit a mentor to me at the time a guy called Brandon Jemison and Brandon used to recreate um, world um, landmarks out of sugar cubes and <laughs> nice. it sounds quite twee but he was it, it he was a superb you know it, there were there were scaled absolutely accurately yeah. you know um but I was in a couple of group shows that he curated, and one of the one of the artists was an American artist, um, a guy called Galen, and I can't just recall Galen's second name. But they had a they had a basically a miniature billboard, 
So they had a built same same way that I had a miniature skip, they had a miniature billboard and they would put quite irreverent things on the billboard. Yeah. And they would take it to places like outside the White House. And the way the way yeah. they positioned it looked as if you know the scale yeah. of the yeah, thing yeah, was yeah. an actual real life full-size billboard. Brilliant. And then they would photograph it. So it could be something totally irreverent about yeah. the current um people in the White House and this this billboard just so it reminds me a bit of that because um I'm hoping that she's going to take this and sort of use the same sort of you know perspective yeah. idea and make it look real life and I don't know um but the other thing I suppose the only the, the other comment I would make on that I mean I made that piece specifically for that, that exhibition um it just works so well but you know, you make it as a piece of art that you know is—it's not commercially viable. You know, who would want to buy something like that? You of know, course, like a, yeah. so you make that, and then all of a sudden you get someone who is absolutely so blown away with it because it connects so much with their work and their psyche and their way of thinking, and that's such a bizarre thing. You know, I mean, you you make that and you think, who on earth would want this? Yeah, and yet here it is a way. A way off on an adventure again you know yeah. it's, uh... I was doing a project in 2012 that involved me um, making a hundred pairs of uh, sculptures which were a hundred pairs of shoes mm -hmm. more or less and I was thinking ahead and trying to think how to display these shoes and they would have been in a, a white plaster composite and I, I was, couldn't think of ways to display them and I was looking at shop displays and you know stuff like that and then um, I come across this artwork that was um, on pedestals, several pedestals, and they was in tears coming down from the back to the front. Mm -hmm. And there was a, a pedestal maybe three feet away from them that was a bit bigger, and it looked like an um, army soldiers, you know, a battalion of soldiers in front with a, um, a sergeant major facing them, you know. And... Then when, when you had your show at uh, Ben Oakley's, um, which was the first time I'd seen your work in person, I was looking at your work online and it turns out that that piece of artwork that I'd put aside to display my work turns out to be yours. You'd done an artwork with, there was maybe six pedestals at the front with um, the black artifacts on or the black artworks that look like artifacts. Then there was a one in front of it that was a bit lower. Do you remember that? Was that the heads, the torso looking at the heads? That's it. And the one that, facing him was a torso. Yes, yes. That piece was called Reckoning, and those were ceramic heads covered in latex. That show was curated by the guy I've just talked to you about there, oh, brilliant. Brian Jameson. Brilliant. And it was, a show, it was a show called Warning, This is Contemporary Art. And for Belfast... It, it was it was done in I think 2012 in the Crescent Art Centre. Now the Crescent is a very well respected um, exhibition space in Belfast. But for that sort of exhibition, it was it was um, it was a wee bit risque. Um, yeah. There was some big names. There was there was some work by Tracy Emin. There was some work by Julian Opie. There was Andre Stitt. Um, there was some 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 big names in that one. But yeah, that 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 piece is um, that was. That was the middle of my darkest period, probably of work. Wow. I would say, um, but yeah, that's um, that's interesting. A lot of those heads were uh, 
they were part heads and they were deteriorated and they were yeah smashed up and they were just it was a it, it was a it was a dark 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 period yeah because it's funny because it just connected with me that, that the way they were displayed they looked like um a, a regiment of soldiers and the the leader out front and then i thought oh that's a perfect way and fast forward a couple of years ben oakley's i looked you up online and then couple of the images I looked at, I went, fucking as as the, you know, how does that come round in a full circle? That the way that, that, that project yeah. never come to fruition. Yeah. But the way that you showed it was the way that in my head, that's how I wanted to show it. So I was going to sort of nick your positioning off you as it were, you know. <laughs> yeah, no, it's um it was an interesting time. It was an interesting time. And you know, there was a lot of people or a few people that were very supportive of of me as a as a complete novice, you know, um, and I mean, I've always found, I've always found, I, I, I liken, I liken the uh, the art scene that I sort of move in these days to the, the the camaraderie and the support that I used to feel playing rugby. You know, yeah. when I played rugby, I played to a reasonably high standard, um, uh, but you know, the people that I met then and the people that I where were, were I was involved with, you know, they're still friends to this day. Um, and I, the local art scene, particularly in Northern Ireland, but more so, well, also in England and London, particularly, you know, there's a lot of good guys, a lot of good people, you know, and and I find it very, very supportive and very, you know, when, when you mix with the right crowd and the right people and you find, I tend to gravitate, like with Ben, to people that I, I like, people that I get on with, yeah, yeah. people I would go for a pint with. And, suppose if you don't fit that bill I, I i would move on you know but it's it's the same sort of camaraderie and the, the same sort of support network and uh it's been good you know you, i mean you don't want i suppose when you start out you've got to get away from you start out with friends and family saying your work's fabulous and you know that's what they're there for though isn't it they or may not be but you've got to get way past that you've yeah. got to get way past that into peer peer sort of you know peer selection um you know i i i was um again I'm, I'm not one to blow me on trumpet but i i was elected into the royal society of sculptors last month and that's by peer election you know and for me personally you know to come from starting out at night school having validation you know, isn't it it is completely and the fact that it's election by peers you know it's sculptors telling you're a good sculptor you know it's it's like a painter telling you you're a good painter you know it's it's way past the it's way past the sort of family and friends sort of yeah. um, mark which is which is great you know and it's um it's just a nice piece of validation you know that you know the hard work you've done over the last 10 years has been has been worth it you know yeah so here we are yeah it's a it's a it's a badge that you should wear with pride isn't it you know they don't give them out to anyone no, they don't. They don't. Um, yeah, it's um, it's nice. And what's nice is the mix of people in there as well. You know, it, it sounds very stuffy. It sounds very regal and proper, but the, the, the different work that's, that's represented in there is fantastic. You know, and for me, as someone who has always I suppose this mantle of anti-ceramics it's it's perfect you yeah, know they love it. yeah but no <laughs> no matter what you how could you thought your work was before when you get a validation like that 
it does give you a, a little bit more confidence, no matter how confident you was before. I think so, yeah. Um, I've always been of the opinion where I'm making work for me. You know, I'm not, I'm not making work for commercial. Sometimes you, you, you gravitate towards that slightly, perhaps in a color choice or something like that. Yeah. But for me, I've always had a feeling that is the piece right or is the piece not right, you know, and it's that's what would drive me to make work in a certain way. Yeah. Um, if it sells, it sells. That's a bonus. Um, there are people who love your work. There are also people who won't understand your work and won't get it. Yeah. You know, sculpture, sculpture generally is a hard sell, particularly here in Northern Ireland. You know, I think when people, there's a saying that, you know, people in, Northern Ireland want what everyone else has. People in London want what no one else has. Yeah, but also, I've not heard that. Yeah, but also when you factor in sculpture versus painting, you know, I think a lot of people, if they're buying a piece of art or investing in a piece of art, will gravitate towards painting. So, you know, sculpture is always coming from behind. It's always, it's a harder sell. Yeah, well, with, with sculpture, sorry, I was going to say, with a sculpture, you've got to have a place for it, haven't you? You yeah. know, and, and that's always the... The problem with sculpture paintings, you know, we've all got you sitting in a room with four walls. You may yes. not necessarily have a, a space to put a, a sculpture, you know. Yes, and you factor in kids and pets and stuff yeah. like that. Uh, yeah, pull, a, kids pulling on the chain and uh, it's a harder skip. it's a harder sell. But again, when you reconcile yourself to thinking, well, you know, my market is more limited. You know, it's it's not something that's bothered me too much because no. I keep getting. I keep getting the personal enjoyment out of it. You know, it, it does enough for me as, as an individual in terms of if the number one goal of me making work is to keep my own head in the right space, then it's doing its job. Yeah. And, you know, anything else you get above and beyond that, any accolades or any awards or any, you know, anything else is just, it, it feeds that as well, which is, yeah. which is good. Saying that about, um, it's easier to sell an artwork that's up on your wall. One of your pieces that you create with the CCTV cameras, which yeah. yeah, can be plonked up on the wall. They're they're brilliant. They're absolutely Thank brilliant. Thank you. But ironically, I started making them that, that they were actually freestanding because people were then. In fact, I made a commission which was um, the CCTV camera was the thing, but they wanted they didn't want the hassle or the it's not hassle, but you know. To fix it to a wall is yeah, a yeah. You, you need some tools. You need to be careful. It's you an added to, complication. Yeah. Yeah. So I, I I made a commission last year where um the camera itself was fixed to a panel and the panel then just hooked onto a wall. So it was like hanging a, a yeah, thing. But yeah. I started making the freestanding ones simply because people were nervous about putting them on the walls. Yeah. So they're great for shows and they're great if you are capable and happy to drill your own wall and screw it up but yeah yeah i started making the freestanding ones because people were nervous of that so <laughs> but again if there's as you say if there's something where you can apply it to the wall anyway then yeah then all the better yeah and i mean the the the, the cameras are the cameras are a are, are are a piece i'm i'm very fond of um the, the cameras started in the solitary show of 2015 and where the, the camera came from was um, I told you before about my father making the antique reproduction uh, furniture. I actually used some of that unfinished furniture in those solitary shows. Oh, nice. Uh, and, and, nice. and also 
also I um, that was the first time I made the the cameras and the cameras were were called, are, are called always watching over you. So I made oh, the ceramic, I made the ceramic CCTV camera, but I also got one made by a friend using work hardwood mahogany from my, my late father's workshop. So I had a run of and you you'll see this on my website. I had a run of three ceramic and one mahogany uh, CCTV cameras. Um, so the the name of always watching over you is obviously quite dual you know of course it's big brother or guardian angel so again you yeah can decide whether it's 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 good or bad but that's where the cameras came from and the cameras from then have there are now cameras in australia new york london um nice. they're all over the place and they're, they're, i'm very very fond of them um and i don't know if i'll ever you know, stop making them. They tend to pop up in various guises and uh, various. Oh, they're, they're, they're by far my favourite. They they well, really they, just they then, ticked every box. You know. Thank you. They then spawned the drones, and the drones now are a thing. So um, again, I I ended up in a, a book of Irish ceramics last last month, and and the comment was, yes, there's no one else over here making ceramic drones. So <laughs> nice. Yeah. <laughs> it, it was again a nice. They're fun. flying out. Ah, yeah, well, that's the problem. <laughs> well, we've spoke about other artists, Patrick. Yeah. If there was you and five other artists, past and present, what would your ideal group show be? Oh, that's a tough one. That's a tough one. I, I always, I, I tend to have a few things bubbling along at the minute with, again, I, I, I'm coming at this from thinking about how sculpture is exhibited and I've done several group shows in the past where not group shows, but dual shows where it's myself and a painter. So I'm looking at, I'm looking at, um, you know, I'm looking at sort of sculpture, but a, a painter that complements that or, or, or the work complements each other. Um, painters or artists specifically, I don't know. I think it's, it's something it's it's the piece of work that stops you in your tracks, really, isn't it? It's it's the it's the piece of work where you you look at it and you go, oh, bloody hell, that's fantastic, you know. Yeah. It's, you know, and without putting names on, on on pieces that you know they're, I just love I love the fact that you can walk around a show and maybe seventy five percent of it is passing you by if you're not in the right frame of mind, but then something just stops you in your tracks, and that could be a sculpture, it could be an installation, it could be a painting. Um, well, I like it when, when you do pass one of those artworks and visually it stops you, obviously, mm. but then you have to give it a little time to try and figure out yourself why it stopped you because it may not necessarily be um, apparent at that specific moment that you see it. Yeah. And you, you, you try to figure out what boxes it's ticking, you know. There's, 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 a, there's a painter locally here in, um, in Belfast who... Um, I'm, I'm quite fascinated by his work and, and, and he and I are, are just, we're, we're getting on very well here. Um, and the guy paints, the best way to describe it is he paints, he paints the ordinary, you know, he paints like yeah. a scene from like two, two young guys on a bike or a group standing outside a chip shop or a man and a woman with, you know, plastic bags coming yeah. back from, and the scenes are so ordinary. And I, I'm just absolutely in love with this stuff the the guy's name is dan ferguson and uh dan is he, 
he's he's English, but he's based over here um, in in Belfast. But the, I just gravitate towards work because it's from a time, you know, it's from I was a, I was born in '68, so I was a child of the '70s, '80s, and '90s, a teenager yeah. of the '90s. Uh, um, but because of the subject matter of the work, it, it just pulls you right back to those to those times. You that know? was exactly how I was with Ray Richardson's when I Ray's first saw Ray. Yeah, Ray's is is very similar to that. Um, and then Ray adds in the the added layer of of, of little Brian and everything. Yeah. Um, yeah, it's like that. It's 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 about memory. It's about recollection. It's about it's the same with me, I suppose, with you know introducing other materials. You know the the hosiery or the later. You know sometimes smell is a thing that that, that brings a memory or or. Yeah. or or a sound or something like that, but it is very evocative. You know, the, you know, when you're painting a period in time, like, you know, a guy on a chopper bike or a BMX bike yeah. or, a, you know, or a, a burnt out car or something like that, you know, it's, it, it's, it's invoking memories really, isn't it? Yeah. Nostalgia is properly powerful, isn't it? Definitely. Yeah. And I think he, 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 um, he sort of, um, changes it up slightly by using very contemporary palettes. And so you're not seeing it as it actually was. You're seeing like a, almost like a, a memory of it. Yeah, you know? yeah. So. Uh, what do you think you'd like to do if you wasn't an artist, Patrick? Um, I've started cooking a lot more than I used to. Nice. Part of that comes from my, my, my kids had just left home. My kids are now uh, 20 and 18. Um, but it's just again coming out of lockdown, not out as much. But I've I've taken a real interest in in, in cooking. Um, that said, I'm a I, I love my music and I love my cars. I'm a car fanatic. I'm a I'm a music aficionado. I'm currently listening to Underworld's entire back catalogue. You know, and again that comes from that comes from. You know that's music from the early nineties. You know. Yeah. Um, Orbital, Underworld, Left Field, you know, all the stuff. I think people of a certain age, i.e. yourselves, had a had a great um we had a great go with music, you know. So yeah, I'm I'm um I'm a, a bit of a music aficionado and I love a bit of cooking and I I I love watching Top Gear. I'm a <laughs> <laughs> it's um yeah, I'm just a I'm just a bloke. Just a normal blue. And which one of those three would you want to do? Drive fast cars, probably. Of course, yes. <laughs> yeah, doesn't everyone? Uh-huh. Yep. Um, well, we're just getting near the end, so I'm going to wrap it up. But before I do, what have you got coming up, Patrick? What have I got coming up? It's 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 a busy end of the year, Gary. I've got um, like I said to you at the start of the, the exhibition next week, or sorry, the interview, next week is 10 years to the week since I put the foundling piece into Effie McWilliam Gallery. Um Effie McWilliam, if you you may or may not know, he was he was the, the sort of the, the founding father of contemporary sculpture and he he hails from uh Banbridge, which is about 10 miles from here. So the F.A. McWilliam Gallery was built as a built around his his old workshop. Um, so it's um, it's great to have that on the doorstep, and it was great to be involved in that right at the start of my career. So I've these twenty five heads that I talked about, um, many of them dispersed around 
to various people, various collectors, various places. Um, so I've sort of remade or uh, I've remade the, the, the piece um, back up to the 25 and I'm putting them into a permanent position here at the studio and we're going to video it, we're going to photograph it and it's going to be Foundling Plus 10. Um, to me, it's, you know, for 10 years to have passed is just scary and the speed that it has passed. Exactly. It's crazy. But um, so that's a big deal because it, it was a it was a very personal piece to me. Um, and it sort of just it sort of just brings home, you know, the passing of time and the passing of time so quickly. Yeah. You know, because you, you only have so many 10 year blocks to you know to play with, really, don't you? So um and I've got band show coming up in uh week before Christmas. There's some pieces in the kiln now. Um Next year, I'm talking to a few people about a few things, but nothing is just concreted in just at the minute. Um, and I think I'm probably going to take a wee bit of time just to sort of draw a line under the practice and see where the practice sort of goes with yeah. all that's been and gone in the last year. You know, the, the last year has been quite, quite frenetic and has given me a few more possible strands to explore, um, which is always the thing that tickles me so much you know because you again you make a piece that leads to another piece you make a connection that maybe leads somewhere else and it's just letting the mind go a wee bit sort of a wee bit just a wee bit free you know yeah, and just yeah. uh, just see where it takes you um never in a million years did i think i would be a man making ceramic tv cameras and ceramic <laughs> It's brilliant how it takes you around the corner, isn't it? Indeed, indeed. Um, so who knows? <laughs> and likewise, you've also got Karen Woods um, placing your skip in yeah. and about. Yeah, we'll see where that goes. Again, we're just that's that's um, that's been let loose into the into the the atmosphere now. So we'll see brilliant. where it goes. <laughs> and for anyone that wants to see your work, um, be it social media or website, how can they do that? Well, my own website, which is patrickcolhoun.com, uh, and I'm on Instagram, I'm on, on, I'm on Facebook, um, and info at patrickcolhoun.com will get me by email. So, um, yeah, it's, uh, it's, it's easy to find me. Brilliant. Patrick, that's all my questions asked. Good show, good show. Thanks for your time, mate. And, uh, no problem. Good man. I'll see you just before Christmas. Yep, indeed. Cheers, Gary. Thanks, mate. Bye. Bye. Well, hope you enjoyed that episode of the Ministry of Arts podcast. If you're unable to support us on Patreon, leaving a review on whichever platform you listen to this podcast really does help us get noticed and anyone else looking for an art podcast, or even giving us a positive shout out on your social media. Anything is appreciated, but either way, thanks for listening, and until next week, ta-da.
Hi, this is Paige from Giggly Squad, and I want to talk to you about Splash Refresher and my water intake. Okay, so you guys obviously know that I'm a hydrated girly, but sometimes when you drink that much water, it starts to just taste bland, and you're just like, I need something to spice it up. That's why I love Splash Refresher. It has zero sugar, zero calories, and it's a splash of sweetness, and they come in five different flavors. They're so good wild berry acai grape pineapple mango lemon and mandarin orange my favorite is the wild berry because i just i just love a berry so if you're like me and you're drinking water all day then try splash refresher it's going to absolutely change your water game and it's good for you Acast powers the world's best podcasts here's a show that we recommend The Real Housewives is a guilty pleasure for most, but if you're looking to not feel guilty about that pleasure, tune in to Everything Iconic with me, Danny Pellegrino, where I break down all the messy moments and behind-the-scenes antics of Bravo's popular franchise. And on Everything Iconic, I also interview celebrity guests like Kelly Ripa, Kiki Palmer, Drew Barrymore, Cameron Diaz, and more about their guilty pleasures, their past work, and so much more. So if you're pop culture obsessed and find yourself watching way too much reality TV like me, tune in to Everything Iconic with Danny Pellegrino, wherever you listen to podcasts. Acast helps creators launch, grow, and monetize their podcasts everywhere. Acast.com.